Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church Podcast. My name is Ken Ballard Jr. I am the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And again, I just wanted to take this moment to say thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your journey. Whether you are listening while you're exercising, listening while you're driving, listening while you are just relaxing, or just wanting to be encouraged and uplifted by listening to the podcast as well. No matter where you're at on your journey, thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of it with you. And with that in mind, just wanted to remind you uh, real quickly, housekeeping thing, that if you are listening to the podcast on our website, just want to let you know that it also is available to be subscribed to or followed on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically wherever you get your podcasts, you can probably find us there. So I just do, I want to take this moment to encourage you to subscribe. That when we post new podcasts, you'll be one of the first ones to be notified about it. And I'm pretty candid with you guys. You know, one of the things that I like to share is that many times my messages and podcasts are really based upon things that I'm processing through and learning and experiencing in my own life. And I will say that I, I have been on this journey of looking at, for me personally, what does it really mean to follow God? Like, what does it really mean to be connected with him? I'm someone who grew up in church, was basically in church pretty much from day one. Uh, for those of you who listen to the podcast, you may, have, may remember where I've talked about six years old in my grandmother's church, Mount Olive Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I remember that there's a picture of myself and my cousin, and we are in this group called the Sunshine Band. <laughs> Not with KC. That's a different KC in the Sunshine Band. But we were on the Sunshine Band, and we were like our own little choir, and we would sing every once in a while on Sunday mornings at church. And you should have seen me. You should see this picture like, I am dressed to the T, y'all. I mean, it, it's amazing to see, like, the way that my mom used to dress me back then. But I had this suit that was, it was just something fierce. Just absolutely something fierce. But I have, I've been at church all my life. And I have been taught what it really means to follow Jesus. And I guess I've I'm, I'm been on a journey where I'm revisiting that. What does it really mean to be a part of him? You know, there's a passage in Matthew chapter 7 that really makes you think about that. And it says, so I think it begins in verse 21, where it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But there will be those who will say, Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do many great miracles in your name? And I will say to them, Depart from me, for I never knew you. And again, it, it just causes me to wrestle with that question. Like, is it possible to do all of these great things for Jesus and never know him? Is it possible to do all of these incredible things for God 
making a difference for God, changing lives for God. Again, it says, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not preach? Did we not heal in your name? So we're talking about people being healed as far as like blindness or deafness or just whatever it might be. I mean, we are talking about like the incredible of the incredible, doing all of these great things for God. And Jesus still saying, depart from me for I never knew you. So I've been really diving into that question of well, what does it really mean? What does it really mean to know Jesus? And more importantly, you know, being a pastor, one of the things that it, it, it does hit me, like, is it possible for then for me as a pastor to lead a church of people to again, follow the same pattern where we're all doing great things for Jesus. But at the end of the day, are we really getting to know Jesus? And does he know us? You know, we're in the middle of a series that we're doing called Soul Lucian. And basically what we're doing for this series is we're looking at our souls. And the idea is there are some challenges that our souls face. There are some ways that God has designed our souls. So therefore what our souls do is our souls quest to meet those needs. And the problem is, if we are not learning how to meet those needs of our souls, then the result of that is that our souls become broken. And the only way to heal a broken soul is to find the soul solution. And so what we've been doing over this series is we've been looking at what are the solutions that God has provided. And we've, we, we've taken a moment to just kind of dig into the spiritual disciplines. And we've talked about disciplines as far as God pouring into us. And so we've talked about things like prayer and Bible study and just silence and fasting and solitude. Those kind of disciplines where we are fed and poured into. But then also we turned a corner and, and we said this, that not only is it important for us to understand where God pours into us, but we are also designed to have souls that pour out. Like God pours in, we pour out. And it kind of makes sense. Like if, if I set a pitcher on a table and I began to pour into the pitcher and pour and pour and pour and pour, that will eventually come to a point where that pitcher begins to overflow. So then what do I need to do in order for me to continue to pour more into the pitcher? At some point, I have to pour something out of the pitcher. And the problem is when you just continue to pour and pour and pour into the pitcher, all it does is it makes a mess. However, if you pour out of the pitcher, you can be strategic into what it is that you're pouring into. And not only that, whatever it is that you're pouring into, you can also begin to provide refreshment into that which you are pouring into. And then as that pitcher begins to empty out, then you pour more and more into that pitcher. And so there's this cycle. God pours into us, we pour out into others. God pours into us, we pour out into others. And I think when we are actively working the way that we are designed to work, then the result of that 
is we begin to know Jesus and who he is. You know, there, there are three ways that, that the scriptures gives us examples of pouring out. The first one is through giving. So God pours into me, he blesses me, and then what he wants for me to do is to take what he pours into me by beginning, by beginning to give that to others. Now, the Bible gives a standard for that. It's 10%. It's 10%. Do I trust him with that 10%? There's a story that I, I read that I thought was really great that I wanted to share with you, and it was about a father who took his son to McDonald's. And as they were leaving McDonald's, the father reached over to ask his son for a french fry. And his son said no. And he took the whole box of fries. He turned them in another direction where his father couldn't reach them. And then the father realized something. He realized what his son didn't understand. And what it was that his son didn't understand is the dad was the source of those fries. No dad, no fries. So that was one. Also, what the son didn't realize was the dad was not asking for the whole box of fries. He just wanted a fry. Just a fry. And also what the son didn't realize is that by trusting God with that fry, or trusting my dad with that fry, ultimately what my dad can do is my, my dad can buy me a whole slew of fries over the course of my lifetime. So the idea behind this is just learning how to really be able to trust him. That's, that example was given by a guy named Rick Warren, which I thought was a really, really powerful example of, of do I really trust God? Am I trying to hold on to the whole box of fries? And here's the thing that I found. 10% is enough to test us, but not necessarily enough to break us. So do I hold on to that box of fries? Because I really don't trust that at the end of the day, God's going to provide me with more fries when my box is empty. So that's the question. That's the question. So the idea of giving 10% and you decide how you want to give that 10%. You can give it to a church. If you're a member of Encounter, I encourage you to do so. But again, you know that we're not a church that's after your money. I think a lot of people do that because they're afraid a church is being after, and we, after their money. And we've heard the whole story. You know, the, the pastors that drive, uh, you know, the Rolls Royces and the Bentleys and they, they, they fly Gulfstreams and, you know, they live in... Beverly Hills. Well, let me tell you, I am none of those. I, I don't drive a Bentley. I have an HHR. That's right. And, and if you don't know what an HHR is, let me tell you why you don't know. Because they don't even make it anymore. <laughs> they just don't. Also, I don't live in Beverly Hills. I live right here in Torrance. And as far as the Gulfstream, as far as the Jetstream, as far as my own private airplane, the only private airplane that I have is one that I can fold. <laughs> if it's not for that, then I'm not going anywhere. So we're, we're not. We're not a church that's after people's money. But there's something about when I, when I can say, you know what, God, I trust you with my finances. There's some element of it where we be, actually begin to trust him in other areas 
of our life as well. The other way that we pour out is through serving. As we find a way that we're gifted, that we're talented, we find out who we have a passion for. And what we do is we begin to serve them. You might find that you have a passion for those who are homeless. You may find that you have a passion for those, maybe youth, maybe high school kids, maybe elementary kids, middle school kids, maybe preschool. You know, maybe you find that you have a heart for that. Maybe you find that you have a heart for people where English is their second language. Like that's who you have a heart for. Maybe there's a particular culture that you have a heart for. Maybe there's a particular aspect of brokenness. Maybe people that are homeless. Maybe pregnant teens. Maybe, I mean, we could go through the list of the different levels of brokenness that exist within our nation, within our community. So the idea behind this is find what you have a passion for and begin to serve and make a difference in that way. And then the next aspect of pouring out is investing. And that's what we're really going to spend a majority of our time today is looking at investment. And investment means that, because here's the thing, is you could serve and you could totally do that. You could totally serve and you could be out there. You could be making a difference serving. But as far as making an eternal connection, where because of a relationship with you, someone is making a decision to follow Jesus, we can serve and never cross that bridge. So with this in mind, what we want to encourage us to do is to begin to invest. That's what Jesus has called us to do. So for example, another place where we can see it is evangelism. Like evangelism, the idea of evangelism is that you are talking to people about Jesus. Well, with evangelism, somewhere along the lines, evangelism became separated from discipleship. Where when you look at it in scripture, they were, they were one and the same. Again, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So what did he do? He invited them into relationship with him. He invited them into relationship with matter of fact, their relationship, the, the relationship of the disciples started before they even believed or fully grasped who Jesus was. And the truth is, if you go back and if you look at their story, they don't really fully grasp who Jesus is until he actually rises from the dead. That's when they fully get it. But up until then, they kind of wavered, they struggled in their faith, especially after Jesus was crucified. They really wavered and kind of walked away from their faith. But everything was restored when they saw him risen again and it was completely changed from that point forward. And people will say, well, Ken, what about when, when Jesus asked, who do people say I am? And then he says that. And then he asked the disciples, well, who do you say I am? And Peter's re response is, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Doesn't that show that Peter believes? And I, I think he did. But we also have to understand that believing is a journey. And maybe he believed, but as far as fully getting it, if he fully got it, then would he have betrayed Jesus by saying, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. Like at some point, his following of Jesus was rocked when he saw Jesus alive again and he was restored, that it really changed everything for Peter. Because even after Jesus rises again, and Peter has interactions with him. He doesn't really get back on the path. 
Matter of fact, there's one day where Peter goes out and he just goes fishing. He goes back to what he always did. And then what happens is while he's out fishing, he runs in, or he has this encounter with Jesus, with the Savior once again. And then it's after he has that encounter with Jesus once again that everything fully changes for him. So it really is a process. It really is a process. So it is important to understand that I think what God has called us to do is to do more than just lead people to Christ. It's to do more than just that. And you can go back and you can look at several examples or several passages. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, many times when we hear go and make disciples of all nations, we automatically think lead people to Jesus, lead people to Jesus, lead people to Jesus. That really is just the beginning of it. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am always with you to the end of the age. So actually, if you look at this, there, there's a breakdown that you can apply to this passage. And I call it this way. Belong, believe, become. Belong, believe, become. It's the same process that Jesus did with the disciples. Come, belong, believe, follow me, and then I will teach you. Become, believe, belong, believe, become. Come, follow me, and I will teach you. Belong, believe, become. And so we see this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 as well, where he says, go and make disciples. That's really saying, go and lead people to belong, to connect with you. Why do I believe that? Because that's just the beginning. A disciple is simply someone who is saying, I am coming under you to study under you and learn of you. A disciple doesn't necessarily believe yet. And then that's why it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do we baptize them? Well, when do you typically baptize someone? You baptize someone when they believe. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in who they are. But how do you get to that point of believing? Well, it happens when you belong. When someone is connected with you in relationship with you and they really begin to, say, begin to have the opportunity to see Jesus in you, that's what motivates them then to believe. And then it says, and teach them to obey all the commands I have given you. That's become. So it's belong, believe, become. And I think what we've done as a church, and when I say church, I mean capital C, is we have told people that you really can't be a part of me if you don't believe like me. Well, that's not how Jesus did. Jesus says, come. And then you are not allowed to be a part of me unless you act like me. But that's not how Jesus did it. He said, come. He started the process with relationship. And so I, I really do believe, I, I believe that it is time that we reconnect 
discipleship with evangelism. And it all becomes one where I am stepping into your life and we are connecting and growing in our relationship with one another. And we're leading people to make decisions. And, and some people will say, well, 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 Ken, what about, you know, when Peter preached and it says 3,000 people became believers that day, which really is a huge amount of people. I, I know that pastors would love to have this problem. But you know what it says next? In verse 42, it says all the believers, all 3,000 that made the commitment to initially follow Jesus with Peter's message. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. You know what that says? All those people who decided to follow Jesus that day became a part of community. They all became a part of community. A deep sense of awe came over them, verse 43. And the apostles performed many miracle, miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So not only did they do religious things together, they also just hung out and they ate together. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So in essence, the church became family. And really, that's what we're seeking to try to move and to build and counter to be, where the church does become family. But part of that starts with us. It starts with the invitation. Like, if you think about how does a family grow? Well, a lot of people say, well, it starts with people having kids. No, no, no. That's the result of the growth. How does a family grow? It's when... A man gets down on his knee and he asks a woman, will you be my bride? Or maybe the woman gets down on her knee and asks the man, will you be my husband or will you be my groom? It, it can happen that way too. So then at that point, those two people have come together to become a family. And then once they have kids, that family grows. And so that's the idea behind it is there's this invitation, this connection. And then as we have this invitation and this connection, we grow and we become family. So literally, this is important for us to understand, is that every single one of us have a responsibility. Like if you are someone who calls yourself a follower of Jesus, you do have a personal responsibility to invite others to come to know him. You do. It's not an option. It's actually an expectation that God has that we invite others to be a part of our family. It is an expectation that God has. 
But you may be saying, well, Ken, that's great. I would love to do that. But how do I start that? How do I start that? There's a message that was also given by Rick Warren where he talks about how to draw others to come to know him, how to share the story of your life, how to expand the family of Jesus Christ. And what he does is he gives something really practical. So I'm not going to reinvent this. I'm just going to follow what he shared because I think this is really good. And he said the first step is to accept personal responsibility. Again, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, he says, go, therefore, go, therefore, we go. So we accept personal responsibility. And it really does make sense that we should. I mean, think about it. Let's say, for example, I found the absolute cure to COVID. Just the absolute cure. Boom. Take this. Eat this. Whatever it might be. Like I found the absolute cure to COVID and it would end all COVID suffering in this world. What kind of person would I be if I kept that cure to myself? What about cancer? What if I found the cure to cancer? What kind of person would I be if I kept that cure to myself? Well, according to the scriptures, we have found the cure for the ills of someone's eternal destination. And if that being the case, then what kind of person am I if I am keeping that cure to myself? And here's the thing that you'll realize as you read through the scriptures, God's plan to draw others to come to know him was not necessarily himself. God could do that and not need us at all. But God's plan to draw others to come to know him is us. It's us. So if, if I'm not, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are told that we are given the ministry of reconciliation. Like that's our responsibility. That we are God's ambassadors on this world, we are Christ's ambassadors on this world so that when people see us, they should be able to see Christ because of the way that we represent him. Just like the United States, we have ambassadors all over the world. And the whole goal is when they see those ambassadors, those ambassadors are representatives of the United States. And so hopefully what happens is when people see those ambassadors, they will see the best of the United States, the best of its goals, the best of its dreams, the best of its democracy, or just whatever it might be, that they will see the best of the United States. Well, it's the same thing. If we are ambassadors of Christ, then hopefully what will happen is people will see the best of Christ in us. But the question is, how can they see it if we don't share it? And I know other people say, well, you know, I, I share through my examples. Now, at some point, you need to say something. I mean, think about this. Jesus, who lived the perfect life, still had to say who he was. So if Jesus has to say who he was and who he is, and he lived a perfect life, then... 
even though I am sharing words of encouragement and even though I am being a good person, I am still far more flawed than Jesus because Jesus was not flawed at all. So if he needs to say something, and guess what? So do I. So do I. And then, I, and I talked about this a little bit on Sunday as well. If we look around us, we see the brokenness around us. Look at America right now. Look at the division that exists politically. Look at the division that exists racially. Look at the division that exists economically. And if you notice, we are becoming more and more divisive. It's, it's, either black or white. There's no moderate anymore. It's either you're conservative or you're liberal. You don't see very many people that are moderate anymore. And if you are moderate, then those who are on the either side of it kind of look at you and they look at you as though you belong to the other side. Like if you're moderate and you say something that expresses a little bit of a conservative perspective, then automatically you're considered conservative. Or if you're moderate and you say something that expresses a little bit of a liberal perspective, then you're automatically considered liberal by the conservatives. We're at this place where now it's either you follow us or you believe in us or you're the enemy. That shows brokenness. That shows brokenness. So if we look at the world around us and we see that it's broken, and you know that it is, how do I know that you know that it is? Because I've seen your Facebook posts. <laughs> we are not afraid to go to the big Facebook, the FB, and begin to write down our complaints. And our complaints usually are the results of seeing something that's broken. And I said this on Sunday and I'll say it now, that God has called us to be changers of the world, not complainers about the world. So with that in mind, if we see that brokenness, we need to accept the personal responsibility to do something about it. And that solution is to invite people to come to know the real Jesus. And, and that's why I've been going through the process that I've been going through. Because I want to make sure that if people get to know me, that I am really pursuing who Jesus truly is. Not that I'm introducing people to the religion of Christianity, but that I am introducing people to Christ himself. Because again, it is possible for me to follow the religion of Christianity and do all of the tenets that Christianity expects for me to do and not know Jesus. He said that himself. So the goal is not the tenets, the goal is Christ. And for us to come to know him and draw others to him. But we do, we need to accept the personal responsibility to do so. And then once we begin to accept the personal responsibility, then I love it. Then Rick Warren says the next step, or step two, is to develop a personal relationship. See, a lot of times what we have a tendency to do 
is we jump right in and begin to share the gospel or the good news or anything like that. But if you notice what, what, what Jesus did is Jesus found connection with people, even if the connection started with healing someone. He found connection with people. And think about the woman that was caught in sin. Did Jesus tell her immediately, hey, stop sinning? Because there's this woman that was caught in adultery and the crowd was going to try to kill her. And so Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And so then the crowd begins to walk away. And Jesus said, hey, is there anyone here to condemn you? And she said, no. And he said, well, neither do I. Instantly, connection. There's another point where there's a woman who had this issue where her menstrual cycle had been flowing for 12 straight years. Could you imagine your menstrual cycle every day for 12 straight years? And she goes to Jesus and she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And so she touches the hem of his garment and Jesus says, hey, what's going on? Power has just gone out of me. Something has just happened. And he insisted, he insisted. And people were like, Jesus, there's a crowd of people that's around you. How do you know? He goes, I, I, I just know. And so then what happens is the woman comes up to him. And because of her issue, she would have been judged by the community. Because of her issue, she really actually was not supposed to touch Jesus. And so she felt like, oh man, I don't want to say anything because I'm about to be condemned. And when she goes to Jesus and she says, I'm the one that touched you. His response, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Daughter, again, personal connection. And see, I think that we've reached this point in Christianity where we actually have to begin to do ministry the way that Jesus did it where we actually have to begin to walk out of our doors. We're no longer in the age where all you have to do is send a postcard and people will come to church. Post something on Facebook and people will come to church. Post an ad and people will come to church. Those, those days have come and those days have gone. Now you may find somebody that might come, but typically what you will find is people who see your ad and they leave the church that they're at to come to your church. Typically, now, you may be fortunate every once in a while to find someone who, who doesn't do that, but, but, but typically, that's what happens. So with this in mind, what I'm encouraging you to do is to really begin to connect. Because you may be someone who say, well, Ken, I, I would love to accept the personal responsibility to share Jesus, but when I begin to look at my life, I don't really have anyone to share Jesus with. And here's the reason why. Because the longer that you are a Christian, the less likely you are to have friends who are not. It's just normal for us to form our natural circles around the people that we are always around. Natural for us to do that. The problem, though, is we began to lose touch and began to lose connection with those who are far from him. So what we have to do is we have to begin to be intentional. Intentional about connecting with people at work, 
intentional about connecting with people at the gym or, or just wherever it is that you go to exercise or work out or just whatever it is that you do. Intentionally, intentional about volunteering in the community and that intentionality is, hey, I'm going to serve here, but I'm also hoping to connect and build a relationship with someone and just kind of grow from there. And then as that relationship grows and they really begin to get to know you, then maybe one day you might be able to say, hey, you know what, is it okay for me to tell the story of Jesus and what he's done in my life? And that's step three, is share your personal story. Is just share your personal story. And just learn how to do that and sum it up in a minute to two minutes. Like my personal story, as I've shared before, I'm someone who grew up going to church. I really am. But then what happened is I got to this point where I realized that going to church wasn't enough for me. That like there was something that I felt like was missing. And I had a chance to meet these college students. And for the first time in my life, I saw people that were my age that were serious about Jesus and who he is. So I began to hang out with them that much more. And then as I saw that, I began to see, okay, so this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I remember one point that I really struggled with deep connections with others. And it was really interesting because I, I remember praying that. I remember talking to God and saying, God, I struggle with deep connections with others. Help me. And I remember that at one point, I was connected with, I started to connect with these friends that was at the campus and I was invited to a conference. The theme of that conference, how to build deep relationships with others. And then I was invited to a special training. The theme of that special training was how to begin to connect and build real friends. And I thought, because my prayer was, Jesus, show me that you are real and help me to begin to connect with others. And boom, that's what happened. So with that, I remember reaching a point where I thought, okay, Jesus, based upon the way that you've answered this prayer, you're real. And that's what began my journey with Jesus. So see how short that was? Now, of course, you know, I'm, I've been a Christian since 1989. So there's a lot that's happened on my journey. But that is initially how my relationship with Jesus started. And then as I get to know someone and we began to talk more, maybe I'll share more about my own, sto my own story and my own journey and the things that I've learned and the way that I've grown. But at least then people could recognize like, oh, wow, that's what your need was. That what drew you to him. And that's how Jesus proved himself to you. So we could just start, share your personal story. And then once you share your personal story, Rick Warren says, give a personal invitation. Give a personal invitation. And maybe what you could do is just ask them, like, would you like to go to church with me? Maybe you're not at a point where you can teach someone how to follow Jesus. And what we're going to do is on our Next Steps page, because what we're doing is we're creating a Next Steps page on our website that will help you to be able to grow in your relationship with Jesus. One of the things that we're going to include on there is let's say you have a friend that is ready to take the next step with Jesus. 
What does that look like and how do you do that? So we're gonna put that on that page as well and give you the tools to help you to be able to do so. But in the meantime, you may be thinking, well, Ken, what do I do? What do I do with that? Like I've talked with them and they're interested in learning more about Jesus. Give a personal invitation, invite them to come to church with you. That's a great place to start. And, and what I wanna challenge people at Encounter to do, you have 52 Sundays out of the year. Grow, connect with someone and make it a goal that at least two Sundays out of the 52 Sundays, you're gonna invite someone who's not connected with church to come to church with you. Let's begin to make that a goal and shoot for that and see how that, see how that happens. Could be a cool thing. Could be a very, very cool thing. And, and so we'll see, we'll see how that works out. But then, like I said, give a personal invitation for them to come to know Jesus or at least go to church with you. And start there. And just start there. And, and I promise you this. If you begin to do that, you're going to look at church very differently. You're no longer going to look at church as, does the sermons feed me? Does the music uplift me? Does the children's ministry meet the needs of my kids? Does the youth ministry meet the needs of my kids? If you begin to reach out and draw others to come to church with you, here's the way that you're going to look at church. Does the message relate to my friend? Does the music relate to my friend? Are the donuts fresh? Because <laughs> I want my friend to make sure I have fresh donuts. Is the coffee good? It better be good this week because my, my friend's a coffee drinker. So, so you're looking at, is a church structured in such a way to where if my friend comes for the first time, they'll connect and feel warm and feel like this is the place that I can grow and be a part of. You'll look at church very differently. Very differently. But those are the four steps. Accept personal responsibility, develop a personal relationship, share your personal story, and give a personal invitation. And I want to encourage you, respond to the challenge. Even if you're not a member of Encounter, that at your church, you're going to try to bring two people over the course of the 52 weeks. Two Sundays out of the year, you're going to try to bring someone with you who's not connected to church, who doesn't know God. And just imagine if every member of every church did that, how beautiful would that be? And I think it could be really incredible if we make a process to go through this and do it in this way. Well, I really do. I really do hope that this has been an encouragement to you. Uh, this podcast went a little bit longer than what my, my typical podcasts do, but, but I felt like the things that we needed to talk about today were really, really important when it comes to understanding this idea of taking on personal responsibility, because that is one thing that I see the church struggling with now. And, and I'll be honest with you. I'll be flat out honest with you. I struggle with it too. I looked at my life at one point just a few weeks ago. And I thought, who are the people in my life that don't know Jesus? So I'm making some calculated changes in my life that's going to put me in connection and relationship with others so that hopefully they can come to know him and follow him as well. 
So I'm deciding to be more intentional. And the way that I'm doing that is I'm getting more involved in North High, starting to connect with our football team there and coaches and maybe kids, sports booster program and connecting with some of the people that are on that. But I'm looking for ways to just be more intentional and be present and be out and about in our community. And who knows, maybe you'll begin to hear some stories about God blessing that faith to step out and do so. And I would love to hear your stories as well. Well, a quick reminder again, we are wrapping up this series next week. Really excited about the message. So make sure that you can join us on Sunday. If not, if you can't be at the service, watch the live stream at 1030. You can find it on YouTube as well as on Facebook. We had a problem for a couple of weeks, but it looks like we've kind of worked that out. So hopefully <laughs> we are able to be more consistent with being able to post our live streams. But join us. And then also join us for the podcast as well. Well, again, remember, it comes about three things. Love up, let's fall madly and passionately in love with God. Love out, let's make a commitment to truly love others and love in. As you do so, as you love God and love others, you'll find so much more that you'll love about yourself. Well, take care. God bless you. And we'll see you once again next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you could do us a favor, whatever service it is that you're listening to this podcast on, please rate and review us. If there's anything that we can do better, please let us know. But by rating and review, it also make our podcast easier for others to be able to find. If you would like to support us at Encounter financially with what it is that we're doing to make a difference in our community, whether it's the mobile food bank, whether it's serving at North High School, or making a difference, again, in our community, feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church. Click the link that says online giving. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way when we post new live streams or new vlogs, you'll be updated. As well as please head over to Facebook and like our page. That way when we post new podcasts, again, new vlogs, new live streams, or have church events, you'll be updated and know what's going on here at Encounter. As we said before, thank you so much. We're so glad to have you with us. And we look forward to you being a part of the podcast next week.